Hi, I'm Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. We are just about two weeks from Election Day. We've been joined on the podcast by several mayoral candidates, controller candidates, public advocate candidates. Uh, we've done some debate analysis. And as we move towards Election Day, um, we've had a variety of mayoral candidates, including some that ran the primary and lost, uh, some general election candidates, including Bo Deedle, Nicole Maliotakis, Sal Albanese, who will be on the ballot on November 7th. There will actually be seven mayoral candidates on the ballot. And along with Deedle, Maliotakis, and Albanese, there is, of course, Mayor Bill de Blasio, who we've invited to join us. And uh, his campaign says they're still thinking about it. Uh, but then, to get to seven, there's there's three other candidates, and um, they're joining us today. They are. Uh, we're very pleased to be joined by the Green Party candidate, Kim Browder, uh, by Aaron Comey from Libertarian Party, and by Michael Tolkien from Smart Cities. And we're going to talk today about who they are, um, what the gist of their campaigns are, and where they come down on several of the important issues that all the candidates across races are talking about. And also just to find out more about what it's been like to be on the ballot, um, yet not part of the two-party system and therefore not part of the daily campaign conversation in most of the media here in the city. So thank you all very much for coming. Um, let's start by uh, introducing yourselves to us and to our listeners. Uh, maybe a minute just on who you are. And I think we're going to start this one by going in alphabetical order by last name, and then we'll, we'll mix it up to keep you guessing. But Mr. Browder, if you could start, uh, who are you? Thanks for having me. First of all, I appreciate it. Um, when we uh, started, I'm a Green Party candidate, right? So um, when we started 45 years ago, it's uh, the the Republicans had had the office, um, had the third party status, and they ended up having to get on and as a primary. So we faced innumerable odds, and although we are facing it, it's uh, more more to say that me myself, um, most people know me, so I have. A lot of name recognition already in the city, uh, just because of what happened to my brother tragically um, about two years ago, and uh, so I'm a civil engineer by trade. That's my uh, my work ethic, uh, my work background. I work for medical pharmacokinetic companies uh, like NIH and Pfizer, um, and I mean people know me as a uh, as an advocate for the people. I I started Black Lives Matter in New York, and I also started Shut Down Rikers. Thank you, Mr. Comey. Uh, yes, my name, thank you for having me. My name is Aaron Comey, and uh, I'm a blue-collar worker um, and by, my, by trade. Uh, so I, have, I work hard, and I've been a blue-collar worker for most of, most of my life. Um, outside of my trade, um, I've been very active um, with the Libertarian Party. I've, been, I've worked on campaigns. Um, I've fought for certain initiatives including a, a prisoner voting rights initiative, which we're, we ha currently have underway um, to restore the voting rights to all prisoners um, across the country. And um, yeah, I, I got into this race because I, I see a lot of people suffering, uh, a lot of regular people that are just tired of where gov of, of government's inattentiveness to their needs. And I said, it's time for somebody who's of the people to represent the people. Thank you. And Mr. Tolkien. Hi, uh, thanks for having me. I uh, am a, uh, a tech entrepreneur by background. I solve problems for a living. And um, 
I'm doing this for four reasons. Uh, first, we, we need to be modernizing our government, bringing our systems and our processes and our approaches into the 21st century. Uh, second, we need to be investing in our infrastructure and city services, which have been underfunded, under-resourced, and, and poorly managed. Third, we need to be growing and diversifying our economy, particularly as there are massive shifts taking place around us with automation wiping out uh, many, if not most, of the jobs that exist today. And finally, and, and most important, we need to be distributing income more fairly. Uh, there are just way too many people that are struggling financially in our city, um, many, many of whom were not struggling a decade ago. And rent has obviously gone through the roof for most. Uh, it's been harder to find jobs, harder to find uh, stable income. And it is our collective responsibility as a city and as a society to make sure that we're taking care of everyone who, uh, who chooses to reside here. And so that's really the, the core of our message and, and why I'm running. So we're going to get into some real specific issues. We're going to ask you about sort of housing and education and criminal justice reform. But before we do any of that, um, you've spoken a little bit here, each of you, about your background, what brings you to this race. Tell listeners and voters, what are some of the like top big ideas of your campaign or what are the things that you're really running on when you want people to know what you stand for or what you would do sort of you know, quote unquote, on day one as mayor, um, what are those top few things? Why don't we start with you this time, Mr. Comey? One of the, I think, one of the things that has resonated most uh, with, with uh, voters that I've spoken to is my education um, plan. And basically what it is, is I see, um, I'm a product of New York City Public High School, uh, and I've seen so many people graduate from public high school, and the only uh, jobs they can get are retail or fast food and that's why college you know free college is such a, a, a focus but instead of looking at free college we need to fix the fact that 13 years we're spending 13 years to educate kids and they're not coming out with really usable skills so I wanted to introduce a component components in uh, from kindergarten to, to 12th grade of finance economics business management and entrepreneurship so that from that age, from that when kids after those thirteen years, when kids graduate, they can be bosses, they can be managers, they can be employers, not just low wage employer employers employers yeah employees. Mr. Tolkien, uh, I think probably the single most important part of our plan, and obviously we we've proposed a number of different. Uh, radical changes from our $25 billion mass transit system to our universal single-payer mental health care program. Uh, but the most important is our funding plan, um, and probably the most different from any other candidate that's ever come before us. And the reason for that is uh, it's my belief that tax-based revenue is not sustainable. It's been the source of most of our problems. How do we fund these various programs? I think most people would agree that we need to be taking a much more aggressive approach to funding and maintaining our transit system and our education system and our healthcare system, um, but nobody can figure out how to fund it. And so we've designed what we call NYC Enterprises, which are for-profit companies 
that are owned by the city of New York or the people of the city of New York. So every dollar in profit from these companies goes back to fund our schools and our parks and our health programs and so on and so forth. And the reason why this is so important that we do this today, in fact, there was a, a piece in the Times over the weekend uh, where the, the notion of the startup ecosystem where anyone in a garage can sort of just write some code and create the next Facebook is very quickly dying out. The next wave of innovation is being concentrated among the large tech tech companies, Google, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft. Uh, and so if we are going to have participation in that in that economic growth, we need to take a more proactive role in investing ourselves on behalf of the people. Thank you. Mr. Browder, <clears throat> what's your campaign all about? So uh, I believe, uh, one, transparency is an issue in New York City. And uh, we've, with the Green Party, we have a, a very transparent platform, um, which we've modeled between looking at other countries and how they do it as well, uh, and how they do it well. So uh, the first thing, when it comes to transparency with our police departments, I've been pushing for legislation on uh, legislative practices. I know that getting led, um, uh, bills passed uh, will help our city develop in a way that it's lawful for all, it's equal for uh, everyone, and then on top of that, it's not biased. We have a problem when it comes to uh, the police departments, and uh, well, with, with our police departments in our communities, that really needs a better look at it. We can't just put uh, body cameras on people and not, uh, and not realize that the respect of the people in New York City doesn't come with being surveilled. You have to do right but, uh, for everyone. When, you, when it's even not unsurveilled uh, or have, has surveillance on them. Um, other things I, I definitely want to focus on is the school, on the school district boards, putting teachers I and mean, putting parents back on these boards. This is actually uh, in legislative, um, legislative um, practice right now, but it's not practiced by this administration with de Blasio. And so uh, the school leadership teams across New York City are supposed to have seven, uh, seven seats out of the 13 for parents in the community to be involved. And when this is not happening, this is what we're initially saying, that de Blasio um, is illegal right now. He should be brought up on charges for not having parents in the community become active by being on these boards, but holding seven of those seats for his administration. Other things that I wanted to um, make sure last, is, last one, yeah. is affordable housing, which is basically affordable for who? It's not affordable for New Yorkers throughout New York State, so I'm going to be putting in um, assisted living uh, assisted living programs that actually focus on those that are vulnerable in New York. We have a problem with homelessness, and I mean there's 600,000 homeless people in New York City. How could we make it right for everyone to live here, and not just those big developers with luxury condos? So being mayor of the city of New York is not just a policy job or an ideas job. It's a management job. The city is huge physically in terms of number of people and the government is huge too, $85 billion budget and hundreds of thousands of employees. So the, the knock that is often directed at third party candidates is, are you, are you really running to be mayor or you're running as a message candidate? So I direct that question to each of you and if the answer is that you actually are running to be mayor, what qualifications do you have based on your background for taking on that enormous management challenge? Um, just to break it up, we'll start with Mr. Tolkien, then go to Mr. Broder and Mr. Comey um, on this one. Sure. Uh, you know, when it comes to managing any organization, the basics are pretty much the same. You need to have a 
comprehensive vision, you need to sell that to the people that you are, are looking to hire and the people you're looking to serve. You need to be able to structure an organization in a way that makes sense, that's aligned with your strategy. And you need to be able to recruit and hire the best and brightest people and then empower them with the tools and the resources and the support that they need to do their jobs. And so, you know, running a city like New York is actually not like any other organization because it's so many organizations that sort of feed into one larger organization, New York City government. Uh, and that's why it's so critical that we have a degree of humility at the top because we need to empower multiple CEOs, if you will, to manage our city operations, to manage our economic development and growth initi initiatives, to manage our healthcare programs and, and social programs, to manage government itself in terms of uh, our administration, how we market the city, how we, uh, how we hire, and probably the single most important part of any organization, um, but particularly city government, is the HR function, the recruitment of, of folks, the professional development of those people, um, and the, uh, the, the supporting of those people. You look at any major company across the globe, and that is their priorities, HR. And so the first hire that we will make, and the most important hire that we will make, is the head of human resources and talent development, people management for the city. Uh, coming from the private sector, having started a number of organizations, having run a number of organizations, uh, I'm very familiar with all of those processes. And you know, just to, to make one final point, I'm also well aware of the fact that I don't know everything and I don't have all the answers and I don't uh, necessarily, uh, ha I'm not necessarily the best equipped for every job, but I know where to find those people. I know how to motivate those people. And we have the best organization on the planet. New York City is awesome. Hiring and recruiting people is not our challenge so long as we set out an ambitious vision that mot motivates people. Mr. Batter. So um, everything Mike has said is actual and factual. Um, we have to have an understanding that our leaders, our, whoever's going to be mayor, um, will need to be a leader. And that's what it is. It's not a politician. It's not a, it's not a Democrat or Republican. It's not a platform. It's a person that can lead the people. So uh, the first thing, I'm, I'm a civil engineer. And my background in technology isn't just limited there because I actually work for medical pharmacokinetic, but I was working for uh, the me mechanical phase. So I understand how our transportation system runs. I understand how our uh, technology in New York City runs, and I'm a programmer. So, um, but we're not running New York as a business. We are to put first the human beings that live here. That means creating every uh, creating values for them and leading as a uh, and leading as a leader is not just about business. Well, the first thing is we didn't do the work after. We're not doing the work after we get in office. I've already set up appointments where I've met with the uh, the commissioner of ACS. I sat with them. We have their blessing. This uh, it's not it's not hard to think about what you're and what you're going to do when you get in office. It's putting it in effect beforehand and not waiting to say these are ideas. So we work with uh, EEO of, of New York. EEO is very underfunded, but those are our watchdogs. These are those equal those employment equal office. yes equal uh, equal opportunity. opportunity and so we've got um, EEO ACS and the mobile crisis units across New York City for the mental health. There's a lot of damage going on in New York City because we're lacking the not the resources. Actually, I sit on New York City's finance committee, so I know where the money is. 
And I know that we are focused on saving New York money and not spending it on the, on the things that are necessary, like mental health observation, like homelessness or jobs. I mean, I plan on working with every one of our candidates because realistically, if we're all looking to serve New York City's residents, then we need to be a team. Just before we go to Mr. Comey, I just want to follow up on something you said. You said you met with the ACS commissioner and you have his blessing? Meaning we will be working with the, uh, ACS to help the, um, better the family um, social services in New York, as well as for the Department of Ed. So that's another thing. Actually, we've came, um, we found and um, located a firm that puts in coaches for every um, that already does it for charter schools, but we're going to be bringing that to the Board of Ed so that we could put coaches for these um, teachers to uh, to be better role models for our kids. Mr. Cumber. Yeah, I think uh, I agree that yeah we need in individuals in in office that realize that the the executive isn't supposed to know everything. The executive has to be able to find people that are skilled in, that have uh, specialized skills, have specialized knowledge, and are going to uh, implement uh, th that vision faithfully. And it's, uh, me, me personally, having experience, ha having ex live what many New Yorkers are going through, I'm close to the problem. So, I mean, I can, I can implement visions and, and, and strategies that are based on what many, what everyday New Yorkers are going through, the struggles that they're feeling, because I'm there. I feel it. I know exactly what they need. And I think that's what the city needs, because we've had people who know the nuts and bolts, but aren't actually working for the people. So I think uh, the experience that we need is somebody that can, that can pay attention to the human element and pay attention to what everyday New Yorkers actually need to um, help them. And it, it's great that I also have a slate of candidates with me that whether they're elected or not, it would be they have, you know, great experience from um, uh, Devin Balkin, who actually has already created an app that will allow uh, the public to to see what the government is doing and provide their own input on what the government should be doing. And uh, he's, somebody, the, he's the libertarian the pub public, public advocate, advocate candidate. candidate. Yeah. Yeah. And um, somebody like Alex Merced, who's a comptroller candidate, who is the only comptroller candidate with a, a background in finance. So <laughs> having people like that with me, um, we, we would make a very effective uh, city government that actually would work for the people. Thank you. So we're, we're going to open up to discussion here on some key issues. So we're not going to go one at a time. Let's just sort of have have an open discussion about, about some of this. And if somebody's sort of crowded out of the conversation, maybe we'll sort of um, prompt uh, you to get involved or, or create that space. But um, uh, we're going to start with education. Mm -hmm. um, let's, let's talk a little bit about our education system. Uh, you can mention whatever you think is most in need of discussion, but a couple things that really boil up for the city or have been boiling up are the segregated nature of the city schools, um, what do you think about that? What would you do about that? Um, there's issues in a lot of communities around school crowding. Um, do you have thoughts on that? And a third thing in, in education that you may want to touch on is, you know, this sort of persistent battle over what's the right number of charter schools. And often very tied to that is how the city should approach its most struggling 
regular district schools? Should they sort of be shut down and space be found for charters to replace them? That type of thing. So I've said a lot, but on education, what are some of your thoughts? So I believe one, uh, when it comes to understanding, we've been doing the same thing over and over for, for decades, for a century already. It's time to start thinking new. And when I mean new, I, I, I literally have to think to myself, how is it that whatever leader we get in office doesn't think that our, our future generations will be looking at us as either you failed us or you've done a good job. So let's start putting in place our future for today, so, or our future today, meaning uh, we don't need uh, only metal detectors in schools because what that is doing is opening up our doors for police departments. And so we become a police nation. Our schools are, are already seeing or have already seen school-to-prison pipeline system. Why do we need to scare our kids instead of teach our kids empathy, remorse? So what we're doing with the coaching, as well as working with putting psychiatric care in our schools, not just counselors, but, I mean, the determining factor of a kid's depression is to understand that it changes their mood, but it also changes their biochemistry. And so we have to start thinking about what happens with kids as we do it for the charter schools. I mean, my, my mother is a charter school um, teacher for um, the, the, um, the Dalton. I've seen how they, um, how they teach in there, and I'm like, wow, why is it so biased that the kids in public schools, just because they can't afford to, uh, to have that kind of education, they can't get the same practices and values that they get? I don't want to do that. I want to change the value system in New York. It's not about money. It's about what you can bring to New York because then New York benefits. As long as we can benefit and get um, better tax-paying tax citizens in here, then what do you think? We're, we're, we're setting up our, our kids for failure and then saying this is our, the, the kids are our future. Yeah, I, I like that point uh, about how you saw charter schools that are doing good. And I think that's definitely something um, we, the, the next mayor needs to take into consideration and needs to pay attention to because um, the... This, this blanket, you know, okay, I hate charter schools and I'm, I'm not going to allow charter schools isn't, isn't in the best interest of the kid. If there are charter schools out there that are working, that's something the public school system needs to say, wait a minute, what are they doing that's working that we could be doing? It's the funding, that's, though. Well, there's also this different programs that are being offered that, we, that public schools could be using to, that will better serve kids. And the curriculum needs to be upgraded. It's the school leadership teams. I don't know if you guys know, but school leadership teams across New York City are completely failed. The superintendent doesn't go to any of the meetings. I mean, they're supposed to have a meeting once a month and then report back to the parent-teacher conference. So what happens is by those parents being on this board, they're supposed to then be able to voice their opinions, what they think they, they should have and what is available. But it's just like in our neighborhoods. You know, the police departments, they have meeting, um, um, board meetings every, uh, or precinct meetings every month. Do, all, do any New Yorkers or most New Yorkers know that these meetings happen? It's supposed to be public, um, public notice. However, in my district, in the Bronx, uh, on um, Pelham Parkway and uh, Boston Road, they're not told. There's no advertising. But what there is advertising is new businesses. Mr. Tony, yeah. So when, when it comes to education, uh, we believe that we need a complete overhaul of the system end to end. Um, and so a lot of the smaller things that we're talking about in terms of segregation or school crowding uh, or charter schools as, as a topic of conversation, I think uh, 
should sort of be put to the side as we think about reframing what education means and what it should be working toward. And, you know, as, as we think about what we need to prepare our kids for their future, uh, it breaks down into two things. One, we want them to be good people with skills for life, uh, compassion, creativity, integrity. Uh, but we also need them to have skills for that, that will be uh, marketable and relevant in the future job marketplace. And so we need to be thinking about how we prepare our kids in the context of what those jobs are, uh, which means they need to be learning problem-solving skills, critical thinking skills, collaboration and negotiation. These are skills that will be applicable to any job in the future. The other thing we need to be thinking about is the schools themselves. Structurally, we are so far behind uh, the, the private sector. We need communal spaces. We need to encourage team-based learning and team-based working. We need to encourage teachers and empower teachers to experiment with new approaches. And so to go to this theme of, of charter schools, you know, I, I'm a big fan of private sector approaches, but I think that we need to be taking a much more comprehensive uh, uh, approach in the context of our public education system, which means we should be thinking about it as one giant charter school. Every school should be connected. Every experiment that's done should be with an eye toward uh, evaluating the outcome and then to the extent it works, it should be scaled throughout the entire school network. And that doesn't just pertain to New York City. We should be thinking about this on an even more comprehensive basis. There are other school districts, other, uh, other uh, cities with similar challenges. And so we should all be pooling our collective knowledge, our collective best practices to improve how we prepare all of our kids for their future. In our collective past, I mean, we've literally been doing this for how long? I'm only 35 years old, and, and yet, I mean, we know of things that, like I'm gonna bring up the math and science uh, achievement gap. We have literally been doing this for years, or decades, and not been improving. We have the as, uh, asthma and absentee um, uh, program, or the problem that, I mean, you, you can't get parents to get more involved because they're working on two or three jobs to live in New York City. I want to help get them involved with their kids because we, uh, we've proven that in charter schools, they are actually more involved. Their parent-teacher committees are full, and they're with parents in New York City. I want to get that for every, the same model. The same model for everyone in New York City should be that if they're our future, they're the ones that we're investing in. And investment um, means their families. Mr. Browder just mentioned people working two or three jobs to be able to afford to live in the city, and that kind of segues nicely to our next topic, which is housing, the housing problem, the affordability problem. Can I just make one more comment on the very education quickly, system? Um, the other thing that we really need to be doing is integrating vocational program programming into our pre-K-12 system. You know, we, we should be teaching kids, identifying their passions and working with them to cultivate talent around those passions such that when they leave high school, they have a skill or a skill set that is monetizable. And so if, we improve the, if we improve education, then we improve um, the quality of life for all New Yorkers. And yeah, and that would actually segue into affordability because if kids are getting out of school and they're being able to make a good living for themselves, then you know there's less of a problem of having to struggle just to make ends meet, just to pay rent. So, and, and that's one of the things I realized that this is all in connect, interconnected um, in, in addressing, you know, education so that people can, can survive better and, you know, 
the rents in New York are insane. I mean, if you take a look, uh, I, I've actually been looking at rents in New York versus other states. And uh, for like the price you can get a rent a room in New York City, you can get a luxury apartment in Milwaukee on the lakefront. It's insane. <laughs> Pizza is much better. Here. <laughs> um, but on, on that point, um, so you know, obviously, if you if you were to educate people better, they could earn more and potentially be able to have an easier time affording housing in New York. But most New Yorkers are already right out of school. Right. So what's so right the role now, of government in, in right New now? Well, then you have to get them jobs. That's the thing. So let, we let, have, let, let me. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Please. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. De definitely, um, people need to be the jobs that people are having have have right now aren't enough. <laughs> to pay for the, these rents that are going under control. Um, and so the, to attack the, the housing crisis is going to be comprehensive. There's so many points to um, deal with. One of the things that uh, we've envisioned is taking NYCHA housing and giving it over to the residents. In other words, the, the residents of NYCHA giving them ownership of their apartments. That's, that's one, one segment uh, of, of the plan, which will now uh, Instead of in drips and drabs of you know trying to help somebody out over years because I I've, I've seen that that just doesn't work if if you're giving people a little bit a little bit people spend generations in public housing and still aren't better off so this is one of the ways to make an immediate impact on the lives of many of the of the poorest New Yorkers of getting them out of poverty you now own this apartment. You can now you do something with it to to get yourself you know, out of poverty and to the next level. I, I I gotta say we're also not. I mean yes, homelessness is an issue. It's it's literally a huge issue. It's six hundred thousand people in New York City. However, the transparency is only reporting that there's sixty thousand people in New York City because they're talking about the working on shelters. However, let's segue into something else. I mean homelessness is one issue. <clears throat> but when we have on every corner of every block in New York City, or just about every block, a bank on every corner, and yet those are replacing our small business uh, leaders in New York City. These small businesses are reported to have handled or have hired and lo uh, with longevity their employees than big businesses like Walmart. But this is the pay-to-play system in New York City. As long as you have the funding, we work with you. If you don't, well, try to make it and keep up with us. If not, then you become the forgotten. We have to start putting real thought into uh, into what we do because there's a lot of people becoming forgotten. So what the first thing is, when we start when we start thinking about our banking system in New York and our finance uh, financial crisis, we don't have a financial crisis. I sit on New York City's finance committee. We don't have a financial crisis. We're ending the city's uh, um, budget right now for the Department of Ed with 280 million dollars in savings. What could we do with that $280 million? There's a lot. But then we uh, shutting down Rikers Island, that is a, uh, that's a cost to New Yorkers that nobody wants. So why are we talking about shutting it down in 10 years when I came out with a plan back in July of this year with uh, council member, at the time, council member um, Brian Benjamin, I came out with a three-year plan because we're using, we have facilities in New York City that house, um, that has room for psychiatric about or psychiatric care, like in the Bronx, there's a facility huge on White Plains Road. Or, I'm sorry, on um, Williamsbridge, uh, Williamsbridge Road, that's at 17% capacity, and yet New York City, uh, Rikers Island, 
has 68% of the population that's mentally ill. So we take that out and put them in the facilities that work, that gives them the help that they need. And then that leaves 20% of the population that's left on, or 20% of the population that are nonviolent, um, nonviolent alleged uh, criminals or alleged, uh, has a lot, uh, has a lot, alleged offenses, excuse me. Um, those people are people that sleep on park benches, uh, open canisters, things that we can give fines for and then have them come back to court because it shows that people come back to court. So that's Mr. Tilken, uh, just want to weigh in on housing? And yeah, yeah, sure. So um, we're proposing a three-part plan. The first is to address homelessness itself. And so we are going to be implementing an end-to-end -end rehabilitation program that we call NYC Life. These will include rehabilitation centers with safe interim housing to replace our shelter system with comprehensive healthcare, including mental healthcare. About a third of our homeless population suffers from some form of mental illness with childcare and most important with job and vocational training so that we're not just getting uh, folks off the street, but we're actually helping them to rebuild their lives and to have a, uh, a viable source of income so that they can achieve their own financial independence. The second piece of it is, is that called like supportive housing on a massive scale. I mean, that's sort of what supportive housing is, right? It's, it's well, I'll get to supportive housing. This is like focused specifically on people who are at the very, you know, are without anything. They are literally sleeping on the streets. Um, that is the most pressing need. It's like the tip of the iceberg. But then we have a second initiative called NYC Homes, which uh, will include a series of affordable housing campuses that are community-based, integrated into the neighborhoods in which they exist, uh, that are truly affordable. And we will also have a series of housing subsidies uh, for people at risk of displacement. And then the third piece of it, which is the most important, is that we have to be addressing the core drivers of the issue, which are economic in nature. Economic inequality is what has caused all of our affordable housing problems. And so probably the most important part of our economic resilience plan is universal basic income, so that every single person in our city has a viable source of income and can afford to take the risks that they need to get an education. And when I say take a risk, if you don't have a stable income, you're not able to go and develop a skill. You're not able to go and pursue a new business. And, uh, and so some of the luxuries that are afforded to the privileged class in terms of having sort of that baseline support, we need to afford to everyone. And this is a, uh, a, a generational problem that if we're going to address, we have to address head on. It's not, it's not something that we can sort of incrementally address. We have to get to the root cause of economic inequality and make sure that every person is taken care of. And by, make, by making everyone, so one of our plans is to make everyone in New York City so that we can raise the funding that we say we need by making everyone residents, then you have a, and, then you have a, and then you have a way to tax but not by arresting people because they don't have the means to get to work every day so they hop the turnstile. This is not actually helping. This is taking funding away from New York. Before, before we move on to another topic, Mr. Comey, you, you mentioned one of your housing planks about NYCHA um, and turning over ownership, but you also have some more libertarian you know, style views on regulation. Do you want to just take 30 seconds on sort of how you see housing markets? Um, well, attacking that... Implementing a purely libertarian uh, vision right now, um, things are just so out of whack that there needs to be a transition point. 
So we can't just go to a point where um, we we can we, we completely uh, uh, deregulate and and assume that you know okay uh, prices are going to come down because New York is such in high de high demand. Um, you 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 already see outside investors um, buying up <laughs> buildings and, and apartments and then just leaving them empty. So there needs to be a, a much more measured approach, um, and, and that's from a libertarian perspective, of getting to that point where we can lift people's, you know, everyday New Yorkers, give them a, a, a better economic outlook so that, that now uh, we can move closer to de deregulation without fa uh, uh, leaving wide swaths of the population I mean, out of the... Well, here, by, by giving uh, NYCHA over to the people, now they, the residents will, instead of be paying rent with no <coughs> equity, they'll be paying uh, uh, building upkeep. But still, and the median household incomes, is, is, it's scattered across the, uh, the five boroughs. And if we, don't, if we don't actually help out by not inflating the cost of uh, New York City, by bringing things down so it's affordable for everyone, that's, and yes, there's, there's private, um, private sector and there's public. But when we think about everyone, if we don't start putting people before uh, economics, then we have problems like what we have now, which would only get any worse. Every, every bit of um, what we're doing is favoring the economic society of New York City. But there's another society in New York City, and that's the people that live here that built Wall Street, that built these train stations, that built our railways and everything else. Why are we not catering to the people that can do much more for New York so that New York could then become profitable? Well, right yeah, now, think, we're not profitable. Well, I think, yeah, I think uh, what, from a government standpoint, we need to care about the people, but we also need to balance um, certain things, uh, such as civil liberties. In other words, if the government just says, uh, okay, well, I want to, you know, uh, I want to stop, uh, com completely um, control regulations, control uh, the prices of everything, that's setting a precedent that now will allow... It, and will lead to it being misused because even if you were implementing giving government wide uh, wider powers under uh, administration that we're favorable with we're seeing right now f with the presidency that's not always going to be the case somebody will come into power who now will misuse that that uh, that great power that we've just implemented them to 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 wreak havoc we're so, running uh, running close on time yeah. so I want to move on let's say um, it's November seventh uh, and you and you win. Uh, election as mayor, uh, and uh, you're inaugurated January 1st. What do you say about your predecessor, Bill de Blasio? How would you evaluate his time in office? How I'm would you sum up? I'm going to say, well, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, well, one, seeing as how I have uh, with the Green Party, we have majority vote right now. Uh, I want to make sure people understand that uh, when it comes to the Democratic Party or Republican Party, de Blasio and his campaign has shown enormous amount of lies. The transparency is not there. I would love to work with every one of our candidates because it's for New York and New Yorkers should come first since we live in New York. However, when he says that crime is down, what neighborhoods are he, is he talking about? I go throughout all of, uh, all of the five boroughs. I lived in Staten Island, Brooklyn, Manhattan, and now in the Bronx. I haven't lived in Queens yet. However, I know when he goes around talking about uh, crime is down. He's talking about what neighborhood? Not every neighborhood. We have problems in the Bronx where it comes to school violence. But moving on, finances shouldn't be everything that he's thinking about because he's looking to better 
who's whose pockets fat in whose pockets who's who's supporting him and it's usually the big developers in New York City de Blasio has been corrupt when it comes to uh, the school district under uh, school leadership teams I believe he should be brought under uh, under charges if he were to work with the people instead of charging the people for the lawsuits that he has then I mean using our taxpaying dollars to benefit and benefit himself and save him is not is not ethical Mr. Tolkien, what do you think of the current mayor? Well, I would say, you know, we just won the election. Won the election, and to go back to your earlier point, you know, we're not running this campaign to just sort of send a message. We've put over half a million dollars into it. We're in this to win it. Um, but I would say, you know, uh, we're we're going to be looking <coughs> forward. The only comment I'll make on Mr. De Blasio is that I think he did a really good job with his implementation of his pre-K program, I'm in support of his 3K program, and I would look to collaborate with him around the transition and, you know, seek his counsel as we continue those programs. Mr. Coleman? Um, yeah, I would take a look at the things that he isn't doing in terms of criminal justice, um, particularly, and um, I, would, I would let people know that, listen, this is going to change. We're not going to claim um, that we're... we're not going to prosecute people for marijuana while arrests are still going up and disproportionately uh, 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 black and brown people are being locked up for it. Um, we're going to we're going to take the, the get the government out of people's lives so that people can live more productive lives so that people can have um, can be free to, to, to do what they need to do to take care of themselves and their families and we're going to uh, we're going to get rid of the sin taxes because that that that's just a purely regressive tax, um, and we don't want more Eric Garners. Um, that's his complicity uh, in that is 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 astounding, and for him to then double down and increase cigarette taxes even more is is just disheartening. But yeah, if I'm if I'm mayor, that that all ends, and uh, I I would have no problem telling him that to his face. So, um, in our final couple minutes here, um, wish we could talk for, for hours and hours, but this has been a good conversation. Obviously, there's certain topics we haven't touched on, but you know, you've had a chance to talk about what's most important to you, and folks can look at your websites and follow you on social media and such for more. <coughs> um, and I know you've been doing the rounds at forums. But anyway, uh, in our last few minutes here, give us a little insight from each of your perspectives about what it's sort of been like on the campaign trail. What have you been doing? Um, how have you approached this race? What has the feedback been like? And in the final two weeks here, what are you doing to win? What are you doing to get as many votes as possible? So just a little sort of insights into how your campaign has been going and what you do from here on to try to win this thing. Yeah, um, it's 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 been it's been enlightening because <laughs> uh, campaigning is uh, this is yeah my first campaign. So um, it's it's running a campaign is. Is an experience, and it's something I would encourage um, regular New Yorkers to, to get involved, to to, ha to 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 learn, to get to see this this side <coughs> of, of of government, um, of just how things work, because it really does just show you so much about the system, and uh, helps motivate you. Um, yeah, what I, what I'm doing in these last two weeks is, um, you know, I'm out there in the community, going to you know different areas, meeting, greeting people. Letting people know uh, who I am, um, reaching out uh, to to organizations, <coughs> speaking to organizations, um, letting them know what my platform is, what I represent, what I bring to the race, and um, 
yeah, reaching out to, to, to media outlets as well, letting them know who I am and uh, if they choose to cover me, yeah, great. If they don't, I, I keep uh, <laughs> I keep going. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, we, we've taken a pretty unconventional approach to our campaign. While we've participated in every major forum and have had a very active uh, uh, campaign publicly, we, we also have really embraced social media, digital media, new media broadly, ranging from uh, you know, a series of videos that explain in short form our, our major policy proposals, which are on our white, uh, website and all over social, by creating a debate forum for not only our campaign to engage people, but for every campaign to engage voters online and to have that sort of dialogue transcend any specific debate or, or forum, we, uh, we've created uh, a, a new business called nyheartsu.com to give the voting public an example of what NYC Enterprises uh, could be like. And that is already a for-profit business. Uh, we have developed a series of political cartoons that take our core policies and bring them into uh, Instagram in an entirely new way. So we're really trying to speak <coughs> the vernacular of the next generation, people who up until this point have felt uh, that they are uh, not being spoken to, not being engaged, and therefore don't vote. And we've problem solved throughout the, the campaign. You know, we've faced challenges that I never thought would have been a challenge in terms of the entrenched interests, the establishment me media, the establishment uh, within government itself. And frankly, the, the, the rule breaking and the rule changing throughout the process. Um, but in the final two weeks, we have uh, a series of, uh, of content that will sort of wrap up our entire platform and our entire candidacy in a way that I think will be very compelling for voters. Most important, though, is that everyone listening to this podcast and everyone that is in New York City takes five minutes to do a little bit of research, to learn about all of the candidates, and to form their own opinion, or at a minimum, talk to people who have done that research, who have had time to do an exhaustive <coughs> survey of the candidates because these votes really do matter. And if we want change, then we really do need to vote for change. And it doesn't matter who you vote for, so long as you are casting a vote in uh, that that's true to your conscience. Mr. Browder, how's, how's the campaign been for you and what are you, what are you gonna do? I think uh, the campaign's been actually very receptive to me. I, um, when it comes to New York City, a lot of people know of my name because of what happened to my brother, Khalif Browder. And so um, when, I, when, when I let people know that I'm running, they usually they, they see me as either the justice mayor, like I'm looking to change the justice system in New York. However, um, what we've been focused primarily on is getting everyone civically engaged because it's just a shame that we only had 18% of the population in a city of 8.8 .8 million people to come out and vote for the primaries. And that's because people are losing faith in the democratic system of New York and they want to change. And so um, most of the places that we've been speaking, every forum, uh, every f uh, we've been actually experimenting because, you know, uh, millennials, we're, we're actually um, very in intuitive to what the public uh, has outlets for, not just um, uh, mass media or the, um, the uh, main media platforms, but I've been doing a lot of Facebook lives where a lot of people are tuning in and New York is active. And so 
Uh, we've been talking to colleges. We've been talking at every podcast, small business ones, uh, even to um, uh, the college um, podcasting systems like Fordham University. Um, and then we also been speaking on every uh, news, uh, every news um, paper reporting agency. Um, so if uh, if people understand what the Green Party is <clears throat> before the, uh, elections come up, and that's what we've been doing, getting people aware of who we are as a Green Party platform, so that they can make a proper decision when it comes time to voting, to not just part, um, vote down party line, but to understand that Akeem Browder is actually the New Yorker that you want to vote for. It's um, not to say everyone else doesn't have ideas, because I respect Michael Tolkien uh, and uh, Comey, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I respect us, because uh, we are New Yorkers, and we want change, because we realize we can't live here another four years if de Blasio's in office. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking time with us. The election is obviously November 7th, and I think yeah. it's, I'll editorialize for a second, if uh, the uh, other four candidates in the ballot, uh, Bill de Blasio, Nicomala, Taka, Sal Albanese, and Bo Deedle, don't offer you something, it's obvious that there are three, uh, three other choices that have been pretty well represented here. Ben? Yeah, thank you all for joining us. Uh, we'll be following you on the campaign trail for these last couple of weeks, and uh, very eager to see how the, the vote turns out. Aaron Comey, Libertarian Party nominee, thank you. Michael Tolkien on the Smart Cities ballot line, thank you. And Akeem Browder on the Green Party line, thank you. Thank you, too.